0: The pasuk says, the pasuk we're interested in is this: "Va'yigdelu ha'ne'arim, va'yehesav ish yodei tzayid, ish sadeh, v'yakov ish tam yoshev ohalim." So, uh, this presents this pasuk presents to us two people, Esav and Yaakov. Esav is called Yodei Tzayid, a hunter. Right, he's a a hunter. Ish Sadeh, a man of the field. So, you know, you have a guy, an outdoors type of person who is, um, uh, you know, I guess he's like a contender for some Olympic medal or something. I mean, it doesn't, the Pasek doesn't uh, evaluate it. But if we take our kind of position where we say Talmud Torah is very important, it doesn't sound like Esau was very involved in Talmud Torah. What does it doesn't sound that way. Yaakov, on the other hand. Yaakov ishtam. Tam, I don't know, but Tam is a person who's complete, who's pure, who, uh, who is whole. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. Yaakov ishtam, Yoshev, ohalim. Now, if we look for further explanation, we'll look at Rashi. How does Rashi take this pasuk? Va'yigduluhan Arim the first thing... I'm sorry, did I read those pesukim without those words? Va'yigduluhan Arim are the first words of the pasuk. They grew up. They grew up, and Esav was a man of the outdoors, and Yaakov was an ishtam yoshev ohalim. He sat in a tent. Uh, you know, like Esav. Uh, Esav is the strong, good-looking, tan, healthy. You know, and, and, uh, and Yitzchok, and Yaakov, he has glasses, and he's thin, and he doesn't eat properly, he's always got his nose in a book, or something. I mean, everybody would go for asaf over Yaakov, based on that description. What? <laughs> okay. So look at Rashi. Rashi says, what does that mean? They grew up. They grew up As long as they were children, they played uh, as children play, and it was hard to know how they would turn out. They you know they all went to cheder together. They both went to cheder, and they learned how to read, they learned the olive bed. They were sort of like regular kids. There's no way to know how they would turn out. The Ain Adam Midak bahem Mativa. And it was impossible to tell how they would turn out, right It wasn't like today where every Jewish kid, of course, is a uh, a, b- a budding genius and will solve all the problems of the world. those days, apparently, uh, children were children they wouldn't uh, didn't have to impose too much on the children. so he says, a person. Uh, no one tried to figure out how they would turn out. Rashi. Since they became Bar Mitzvah, the two of them, they were twins, so it happened on the same parasha probably. So here's Rashi. Rashi, I mean, after all, that's how we learn the Chumash, right? You learn Chumash in Rashi. So Rashi becomes the extended text of the Chumash. So the Chumash doesn't say that Esau was a bad person. But it sounds like if Esau went in the direction of Avodazar, Avodazar is a buzzword for the worst possible thing that's, that could be. Right? It's true, Yeshva'el was an Oved and Terach was an Oved and Avodazar is the the way we describe people who are totally Wrong. They're in the wrong uh, uh, world. So Rashi takes a neutral kind of pasuk, or a pasuk that doesn't make a determination about which one is really good or which one is really bad, and he changes the pasuk. He doesn't change it, but he gives us insight into the pasuk, which says Yaakov is a good guy and Esav is a really bad guy. Yakov uh, the that's what Ohel means, right? Ohelashel Torah. The Ohel is the place where you learn Torah and the uh uh and Esav, Esav was out in the field someplace. He was yodeyat Said. I mean it doesn't explain what that means, but it's bad. It's a bad thing. That's what Rashi kind of puts into our heads. So now, Rashi goes on, and he says, your dad's side. What is your dad's side? How does that fit in? How does that fit in with, um, the personality of Esau, which was the personality of the Oved Avodazara? Zayed is a hunter. He's, he hunts. Latsud Rashi says, ularamotet aviv What was he good at? Like, what was he able to hunt, or to capture? He was able to capture his father. How did he capture his father? He lied to him. He lied to him. Now, what do you mean he lied to him? This is one of the oddest rashis in the Chumash. He said to his father, Dad, what do I do with the salt? How do I take Maaseh from the salt? So this question is kakai for two reasons. Right? Two reasons, not just one. One is that everybody knows how you take ma'aser. How do you take ma'aser? You take a tenth. That's what ma'aser is. Like there's no question about how to take ma'aser. The second problem is that you only take ma'aser out of things that grow in the ground and salt is not one of those things. Even though salt is edible, but you don't take ma'aser. So, so all the beforeshin like look at this Rashi, uh, they said, what does that mean? Why didn't, if Asaf wanted to fool his father and have him think, the father, that he, Asaf was a devout halachic Jew, so why didn't he ask him, why didn't he ask him if you could put the ladle back into the cholt after you've ladled out some cholt? That's a good question. This is a question. Uh, you have to take bicep from from uh, from salt. It's like he grew up in a, in a wilderness, in a Jewish wilderness. He must have known that you don't take bicep from salt. He must have known that. So what was it? What was it that he was asking? Then you go on, and he says that a teven. What is Tevin? Teven is straw. Now, we don't usually eat straw. I mean, I suppose, under very extreme conditions. Somebody might try it. But it's not food. And you only take maaser from food, from something that's edible. So well, here's Esau. He's talking to his father. He's saying, Dad, how about salt? How about straw? How do you take the mice? Ma- do you take mahaser? How do you take mycer? I mean, it's really a crazy question. Anybody who wanted a fool... His father, into thinking that he was devout, could have come up with a more serious question. After all, the father would have thought that Esau is didn't never learned anything. Even before he was bar mitzvah, as Rashi says. Before he was bar mitzvah, so they all, they both did the same. They acted, they learned the same. So if they learned the same, and this is the best question that Esau could come up with, that it should be obvious to Yitzchak that Esau is not it's not the guy. It must be Yaakov. And what is the, but what is the next Pasuk? Okay, let's finish the Rashi first. He says that the Asa was is an Ishzadeh. Rashi says, Kimashmao Adam Batel Chayodva You know, I always like I think of these, uh, these English landowners, you know, uh, the German, Germany, they had falconers. They had that in England? Falconers also, you know, you had like a trained falcon and somehow you had a good time directing the falcon to destroy some little animal and, and you were on a horse, you had a falcon, the falcon sat on your arm. It was really a, 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 a masterful act of, of, uh, of, what do they call it, of masculinity. You know, like, it was just, it was just unbelievable. Or uh, or the English, the English, whether they run to the hounds—is that what is that what it is called? Uh, run, you know, like you have these dogs, and you have a horse, and you see, got you a horse, everybody's running in the, you know, everybody's riding in the field, and all, all they want to do is kill some little animal that they see in the, or they have bows and arrows. It's all this is called uh, recreational. It's all recreational, right? It's better. I think it's much better. I remind you that it's Thanksgiving tonight, which is uh, an American holiday. And even though it's probably not the right thing to do to celebrate it, probably. I mean, Rav Moshe didn't like it. I mean, nobody really liked it. You know, the post knew that it was hard to stop uh, uh, Thanksgiving because you got three days off. (laughs) You know, and how can you her eating turkey? I mean, it's like... You can assert, well, you, can, you can't answer it one day a year. Oh. You can answer it, oh. you know, in general, but you can't answer eating turkey one day if you eat turkey on other days. <laughs> Who has <is> a <the> Yaki? <laughs> no, the they Aguda in America has this big convention on Who Thanksgiving. They're, after the, after ones, after they're after. the ones. They're the ones. Aguda was <laughs> Mikhadev's Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, they, they, they did it. The, the, the modern orthodox all I want to do is eat and watch <laughs> football games. So football is all right. I think that that's, you know, that's all right, but it's like the su'udah, which is problematic. Even though, uh, I remember growing up, we always had a, uh, a su'udah on, on Thanksgiving, but I think that it was because when the su'udah was over, all the relatives left, <laughs> as opposed to Shabbos or Yuntif. <laughs> where they they couldn't go any place, you know. So Thanksgiving was a boom from that, that point of from that point of view. <laughs> Thanksgiving, no. Ishtam Ishtam. Yaakov was an Ishtam. Rashi says, Ain't no bakiba called Eilat. He doesn't know anything about hunting, he doesn't know about falconing, he doesn't know anybody riding to the hounds, he doesn't know about all that. Ela kelibo kakhpiv. Kalibo what he thought is what he said. What he knew is what he acted upon. That's libo kapiv. Uh e no karuitam. The the Rashi says an interesting thing. Someone who is not able to be to use duplicity to fool somebody else, he's a Tom. Tom means, Tom means that what you see is what you get, right? That's Tom. There's no, there's no cleverness, right? Uh, obviously, Yaakov did not grow up in Brooklyn, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't anybody like that, you know. Everybody was, was what? Brooklyn, yay! <laughs> Okay, don't get overly enthusiastic. Right. So now, pasuk kavchet, pasuk kav chet. The next pasuk is that that was the end of Rashi. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeshiva alim, or Loshal sheimva, or loshel So you know that the Medrash says that there was a yeshiva even in the time of Yaakov and Esau. and the yeshiva is the yeshiva Shemva Eva. And this idea comes up again and again in Rashi. But also in the Medrash, I mean, in the Medrash first, then in Rashi, that there was a place to learn. There was this idea, right? Of course, it's like retro history, right? Since, since I can't think of anything better to do than to go to yeshiva. So, Mistame, Yaakov also couldn't think of anything better to do than to go to yeshiva. The yeshiva was run by Shem and Eva. They were the they were the Rashi yeshiva. Pasuk kafchet v'yehav. Yitzchak et esav, the The b'thiv. have ohevet et Yaakov. So that even though, at yeah, uh, the beginning of the parsha we know that Yitzchak and Rivka davened together. Even though Yitzchak was on this side of the room and Rivka was on that side of the room, but they were davening for the same thing. They were davening for children, to have children. So there was a certain commonality in their world. But when they had to decide, each of them had to decide which son to prefer. Parent, there apparently was a strong difference of opinion between them which was maintained, which was maintained throughout their lives, actually, until Esav left, until Esav left their house. The Pesach says, Nehav Yitzchaket Neisav Kitzayed Befiv." He loved him because he was a hunter. Now that doesn't sit well with us. Yitzchak, Yitzchak. After all, is considered to be olat right? He was sacrificed. He was the one who was willing to give himself up to God. He knew about the higher purposes uh, in our world. Right? There were higher purposes. So, what's what's a higher purpose? It can't be kitzayit b'fiv. There's something, there's something about this pasuk that doesn't sit well with our preconceived notions. And preconceived notions is the way we understand things, right? We, we have preconceived notions. So he said, Befiv. So what does Rashi say? Befiv, ketargumo, befiv shall yitzchak, befiv shall yitzchak. That Esau, because he would bring him hamburgers. Right, he would bring him pizza, he would bring him food to eat. That was the relationship. The relationship between Yitzchak and Esav was one of uh like parental support. He he was supportive of him. Right. They weren't intellectually engaged. But Esav would bring him would bring him lunch. Tzayid b'fiv. Uh Umedrashow Bafiv shall Aesav Shaya Tsad Oto Umeramehu Bedvarav The thief show a means he used his mouth. He used his mouth to fool his father. So you have this idea again. You have this idea again. So according to Rashi, the posak, the, the kind of the interpretation that you have to make of these sukim, the interpretation is the truth. There's a truth. And the truth is that Esau was a bad guy. And everything the pasuk says about Esau is that he was a bad guy, even though it doesn't seem so obvious to us. That's Bethiv. Then the pasuk says, or have it et Yaakov. Rashi doesn't say anything about that. have it et Yaakov, which means that Rivka knew something that Yitzhak didn't know. I mean, what exactly that was is not clear, but in this manner, she follows in the footsteps of her mother-in-law, of Sarah, who demanded that Yishmael should be sent away, and in that in that regard, Yishmael, uh, uh, Sarah knew something that Avram Avinu didn't know, or you might say that Avram Avinu was more optimistic and less realistic right, that that Sarah uh, knew there was no hope that Yishmael would not change and that he would be forever a negative influence on her son Yitzchak and therefore she demanded he be sent away Avram Avinu was more optimistic and uh, we know that at the end, or not at the end, the Chazals say that Yishmael Chazar B'Tshuva that he became uh, a ba'al tshuva, he he changed his way. When when Yitzchak and Yishmael buried their father Avraham and Peret Vav, Chazal comment that you see Yishmael did tshuva. Well, like too, no? we'll, yeah, we'll get we will get to Asab right. Asab also. Uh, so what I mean is that they were both right. That's what I mean to say. Sarah was right. And Avram Avinu was right. Sarah was right that he was a bad influence on Yitzchak and that you couldn't change him. And Avram was right that ultimately, ultimately there would be a, a kind of reconsideration by Yishmael. But it could be that if Yishmael had lived at home all those years, his influence on Yitzchak would have been negative before he, he did Shuvah. Or alternatively, might say, if Yitzchak did not become Yitzchak, then Yishmael wouldn't have done Shuva either. I mean, why would Yishmael do tshuva? They have a model, the model of Yitzchak to to turn to. So, in any event, then comes this kind of uh, very difficult story. So, so there's Yitzchak and Rivka. That's what I wanted to say. Maybe they're both right. Maybe they're both right. Just like Sarah and Abraham were both right in a manner of speaking, right? It could be that. Yitzchak and Rivka are both right, but we don't know exactly what it is that Yitzchak is right about. was right? like Avram Right, right, right. And uh, so Avram was right because at the end Yishmael did tshuva. Right. So, yeah. But Sarah was right that Yishmael would have had a better influence on, uh, on Yitzchak. They were right. They were both right. So then, now this is the introduction to a story. And the story begins... The story begins in Pasuk, Kavtet, V'yazed nazid, and this is hard to, this whole thing is a little hard to understand, Yaakov Avinu was cooking porridge, or whatever, you know, something. and here's Asaph, he shows up, and he's ayef, so if you had, you know, if you were into literary analysis, Right, you did literary analysis. What did the Pusuk say? That contrary to their basic personalities, right? Yakov's personality was sit in a chair and look at a book, and Esau's personality was you do things, you get out there, you know, you hunt and you and you and you run and you fish and you do whatever it is that you do. So those are their personalities. So here, the the Pusuk says that they both acted against their basic personality. How? Because Yaakov Ravina was doing something. He was doing something, like, practical. Like, you know, do you ever meet a yeshiva guy? You tell a yeshiva guy, to cook something for lunch. He you doesn't know what he means. He thinks that the food appears. That's how he doesn't know that somebody actually cooks it. That's one of the... One of the great successes of yeshiva education—it's <laughs> just supposed to be there. Everything's supposed to be there. So here you have a pasuk. The pasuk says, "Yaakov proactive, right? He's doing something. He's making lunch." Asav, <coughs> ho ayef. What do you mean, ho ayef? I mean that's true. Everybody can be tired, but there's no reason for the pasuk to tell me this. Because what it means to me is that there's a role reversal, if only for a moment. Yaakov is the one who's in charge of the practical things in the world. And Asaph, he's a yev. He's a yev. He's like a guy in yeshiva. You know, what are you going to do? I'm going to go rest. That's a, that's a thing. So what is the Rashi say? The Yezed Vashon Bishul Ketargumo. Ketagumo means, according as Unculus has stated. It was Rashi. I mean, how do you know what a word means? How does anybody know what a word? So you say you look it up the dictionary. But I could ask you a tricky question: How does the dictionary know <laughs> what the word means? So the dictionary knows it because it looks at Rashi. That's how the dictionary knows. How does Rashi know? He had rebbeis. He had people who told him, and he had good memory. But he also he also had a, a, a great amount of respect for Unculus. And that the Taglum into Aramaic, he thought, was uh, uh, approved. I mean, it seems that the Gemara says that it was approved by the Chachamim. It was an approved translation. It wasn't like uh, King, whatever his name is. Yeah. It wasn't like King James, which was a good translation because everybody else copies it all the time. But it was not approved. It was not approved maybe King James approved it but besides him it was not approved so now what, do, what, does he, uh, what does Rashi say that Vayazed means he was cooking right Bishu he was cooking Esav was Ayyaf what does Ayyaf mean Biritzichah Rashi doesn't let up here Rashi uh, like e- Esav can't even be tired unless he did something really bad so Esav murdered people and that wore him out. Okay, as a possible that Killing people is wearying, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm prepared to accept Rashi's position without trying to check it out. So Asa then goes on and says, Asa goes on and says, since I'm tired, since I've been killing people, since I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing, I need a little sustenance. So where should I get the sustenance from? Not from the Torah, but I'm not asking you to give me a little Torah. I'm asking you to give me, I'm asking you to give me food, you know, olam hazeh. I'm asking you, Yaakov, to give me olam hazeh. I, Esau, am in charge of denying other people olam hazeh. I go on killing them. You are going to sustain me. Min adom adom adashim adumot, whatever that is. Adashim adumot is like little M&Ms, you know. That's what they call adashim in Israel, right? Little M&Ms. But they don't have an M on them. They just, like, look like that. Made in China, you know. you asking me? How do I know? I wouldn't know what Rashi said. Yeah, but but this is a distinctive event. It's like something that happened once. So Rashi Rashi wants to know why the Torah has to tell us this distinctive event. If he was just killing little animals, so then who cares about why he was ayev? But this is a more interesting. And this was Rashi says the day that Avram Avinu died because Avram Avinu really didn't want to see Yitzchak, Aesab the Tarbutra, the son of his son. The angel she Sevatova Shivtichwa Kurishbok. Kurishbohu uh, uh promised Avramavinu that he have he'd, he'd reach Sevatova, he would he would age gracefully. And this is uh something that would annoy him, something that would bother him. So it's not The son lived longer than the father. The father only lived 170 years, Avrum and the son Yitzchak lived 175 years. How come? How come? So you shouldn't see how Asa will turn out. You shouldn't see how Asa will turn out. Uh, Bishel Yaakov Adashim they so so he was cooking these Adashim. You know, Adashim are like little round things. Round is like life. It has no beginning, it has no end. Well, you know anyway he was cooking a meal for the mourners. He was cooking a meal for the mourners. Who are the mourners? His father. He was cooking for his father. Yitzchak. Yitzchak was a mourner, right? When Avram died, Avram died, Yitzchak mourned him. Alright, Yishmael, let's forget about Yishmael for a minute. So, so, so it's like Yaakov, according to Rashi, Yaakov understood this is the time to get out of the yeshiva and to do something. To make food for the mourners. For, for my father who was a mourner. <laughs> Shave Lut Gil galgal Choseh Ba'olam. Adashim are like little, like what I said, like M&Ms, you know, like, like they're round. And round is, doesn't have a beginning, a circle doesn't have a beginning. Right, it's just like, could be, the beginning could be any place, and the end could be any place. So, that's how life is. For those of you who like to talk about life, I'm not one of them. Uh, so that's, so that's it. So, that's what Rashi says. Rashi says that, that there's a, there's a story within the story. That Yaakov is cooking, and Yaakov is doing something practical, and Aesop is tired, he's unable to do what he usually does, so there must have been some cataclysmic event that caused this kind of upheaval in the world, and that cataclysmic event, according to Rashi, is, is the death of Avram Avinu. That's how Rashi explains it. Rashi, that's simply like, like pulling out Medrashim from his hat, but he's, He's trying to give me a feel for what the, the psukim are really talking about. Because if Yaakov was making himself lunch, okay, big deal. If the was tired, okay, big deal. Everybody gets tired. Like you say, you're going to get tired from, from killing animals as well. So Rashi changes my vision of what's happening. And he says, look, if you assume that the Torah would not tell us this unless it was of grave importance. Then to make it something of great grave importance, I have to say this, which I find in the in the midrash. That's how that's how Rashi uh, works. I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, Karashimo Edo. So, somehow, this is so important, right? This, this event is so important that it causes a name change. Now, we know that Sarai's name was changed to Sarah because she was going to be not the person who didn't have children. She was going to become the person who did have a child. Who, who continued the world. Abraham, right, was, was a person, but he became Abraham. He became the father of many, of many nations. And here, interestingly enough, Esav became Edom, which means because of this story, which is a further proof that this story is of great significance. Why would you change his name? Why would you call him Edom? I mean, this must be something seminal. There's something going on here that that uh, is noteworthy, even though we don't know yet what it is. We don't know what is going on. Pasuk Lamed Aleph Vayome Yaakov Mechak Kayomid Bechorotcha Li So Yaakov Avinu suddenly is continuing his proactive position even though Yaakov Avinu is an Ishtam, and even though he sits and learns in Yeshiva, and even though he like doesn't have too much to do with the world around him, all of a sudden he goes into business. He's like a businessman. He says, oh, you want me to feed you? Sell me the Bechorah. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know Bechorah means a status in the family. The Bechor gets Pishtain. Bechor gets Pishtain. That means that there are five sons, so you divide up the inheritance into six six parts, and the Bukhar gets two, and everybody else gets everybody else gets one. So all of a sudden, Yaakov Avinu, who is presented to us as an ishtam Sheva Ohalim, becomes a businessman, and he says, "Look, let's uh, let's make a deal. You were born first. You Esav was born first. Therefore, you deserve. You're the Bihar. But you can sell it to me because it's only money. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So sell me the bechorah. Vayom Eisav ine anochi olech lamut v'lamalize v'lamalize bechorah. Ine anochi olech lamut. Let's look at the Rashi. You see, mit no dedet v'holechet iah bechorah shelotei kol eight. Ha'avoda kivchorot kishevit levi itol ota. Le, le, let's look at the other. This is a prayerance is in parentheses in the printed version, which means that it may not really be Rashi. But what did Rashi actually say? Oma esaf mativa shel avodaza zo. Hine anochi olech Mati mativa shel avodaza amalo kama as <laughs> harot veonoshim umitot tulyim ba qata shashaninu aylo hayshab mitashdu yayaynu pro amar ani lo lekhlamut al yada im kaine ma khayfetli bazed this is a continuation of the previous rasham sorry si bkhura sel me your bkhura wa fi shaavoda amar yaakov so you see, Rashi again changes changes our perception of the story. Rashi says Rashi says that you know that before the Chayta Egel, before the Chayta Egel, every family contributed its eldest son to serve in the Beit Hamikdash. That's the Bihar. After the Chayta Egel, after the Chayta this privilege. Was transferred to after the Chet Egel, His privilege was transferred to to the Shevet Levi, right? So Bechoratcha, Mechal Leet Bchoratcha. So Rashi explained that Yaakov Avinu said to Esav, <coughs> said to Esav, the fishav will not be Bchorot of my Yaakov. And Rashi says, "Kedai sheyakriv l'kodesh That's what Yaakov wanted. He wanted the right to serve God in the Beit HaMikdash. And what did Asaph say? He said, Why? I'm sorry. Did you see the Rashi bet? So so Asaph said, "Well, what is it I'm supposed to do on the What what is it I'm supposed to do in the Beit HaMikdash?" So he says, uh, uh, are things that you should not do, and there are punishments. So that that if somebody serves in the Beit Hamikdash and he's drunk, or he is he acting like a Adam Parua, like a wild person, then he is he's Chayav Mita. He has to, he has, to he has to die. So Asaf said, Amar Anil Lech uh, Yada. He says, what is this crazy? I mean, I'll be the first one who's going to be killed. I mean, how could I spend a day not getting drunk? How could I spend time not being a wild person? I am certainly going to be punished. I want to get rid of this. I want to get rid of the Bechoraz. So Rashi again changes the story. He changes the story from something incomprehensible to something a little more comprehensible. Incomprehensible that Jacob said to, to Esau, listen, Esau, I have here a pot of porridge. Um, just sell me your right as a Bechor. And that Esau would agree. I mean, it seems like, you know, they say in Hebrew, lo mi dati. It's not equal. right? you know, what does he, he get? He got a pot of porridge. And what is he giving up? He's giving up his his right as a Bechor. It doesn't make any sense. So Rashi says, Rashi said that Ye, that Yaakov went to Esau and said, Listen, Esau, you're the it has nothing to do with the porridge, really. He says you're the bechor, but you know what that means? That means you're going to have to serve God in the Beit Hamikdash. So Yosef said, "Well, what does that mean?" Well, so Yaakov said, "Well, if you don't do, if you don't act properly and you don't do the right thing, then you might turn out to be uh, chayav mitad. He might, might have to kill you." So Yosef said, "Me? I'm certainly going to be killed for uh, how do I get out of this?" So Yaakov over there said, "Look, I'll do you a favor. I'll do you two favors." First, I'll give you some porridge because you're hungry. But uh, another favor I'm going to do you is I'm going to take your Bechorah and I'll do it. Right? Of course, this is a precursor of the fact that Levi took the Bechorah from the Bechorot. Like, it's sort of like in, in the Ramban terms. Like The Ramban talks about this all the time. That history is a remes for history. You know, what happened to the Avot, sort of like, it has the smell of what's going to happen. So what's going to happen? The Bechorot are going to lose their privilege in the Beit HaMikdash. Who's going to get that privilege? Um, the, The Leviyin are going to get that privilege. What happened according to Rashi with Esau and Yaakov? Yaakov said to Esau, listen, what do you need this for? I mean, it's not you. You're not the type. It's not your personality. It's not you're an Oved Avodah The Jews who built the Egel HaZahav were either Oved Avodah Zara or close to Oved Avodah However, you explain the Egel HaZahav, it's it's certainly not a compliment that they built the Egel. That they built the Egel HaZahav, and therefore they lost the right to serve God in the Beit Hamikdash as a as a shevet. And that, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, the Bechorot lost the right because they were involved in the building of the golden calf and that was given to the Levi who was not involved in building the golden calf. So that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. And then the last Pasuk. Uh, what do I need? It doesn't mean I'm going to die of starvation. Right? According to Rashi. Hidea noche alechamut" means if I become, uh, 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 if I become the guy who works for God in the Beit HaMikdash, then I'll certainly be killed. So I don't want that. I didn't, I didn't vote for it. It was like put upon me. I don't want it. I don't want to be a Bechor. So Rashi, I think, makes the story much more comprehensible. Yaakov natan letav I'm sorry. Uh l'amit gimov. Vayoma yaakov ali kayov kayo v'yishav'a lo v'yimkoret b'chorato liyaakov. So you see, according to Rashi, the sale of the bechorah has nothing to do with the nizid adashim. The nizid adashim was sort of like a cafe where they happened to meet Yaakov eating and and Esau, worn out. And so Aesop says to Yaakov, give me a little of your soup. So Yaakov says, okay, but I want another issue that I'd like to take up with you, and that's the issue of the b'chor." Esau says, what's a b'chor?" He says, oh, you have to work in the Beit HaMikdash, and you have to be careful, and if you don't do the right thing, you'll be liable to the death penalty. So the Lord comes, the Lord comes to Aesop, and he says, not for me. Let's get rid of this Obligation. So in other words, he gave him. But he didn't give it quid pro quo. He gave him food to eat because he was hungry. That had nothing to do with the Bechirat HaBechorah. The Bechirat HaBechorah is something that Yaakov knew had to happen because... Asa was inappropriate. And Asa knew that it had to happen because he was inappropriate. But it was not quid pro quo. It was not, I give you this, you give me that, which I think, if you think about it, clarifies the story very much. Yeah. What? Yeah, but this could be the pshat. I mean, it's not so impossible. It's not so impossible. Like, if you knew what happened, and you wrote it up this way, so it makes sense, so it would be a little elliptical, so what? You don't have to say, but if you knew, if you knew that, let's say in your mind, somehow you knew that Yaakov convinced Esav that he didn't want the Bechorah, Yeah, this somehow in your, this piece of information, and Esav was very happy to give it up. So then when you read the Psukim, it does fit in. It fits in. I mean, I think I know. When you, any time you you interpret something, any any kind of text, it's you that's interpreting it, right? It's like uh, it's your kishkes that are spilling out on the paper. There's no objective interpretation that can be. I'm a postmodernist. There's no interpretation that can be ultimately defended against another interpretation. You can't, I mean, of course, I mean, if a person never saw the words, I guess that that would be problematic. But in general, it, that's why you have mikra'ot Gidolot, right? You see mikra'ot Gidolot? you have one perush, another perush, a third perush, and they don't annoy each other so much. Even if you say, if you say Rashi disagrees with the Ramban, or the Ramban disagrees with the Rashi, I'm a is that today, this is possible. That's possible. That's good. Everything's good. That's the that's the system that was developed uh, in learning Torah because they didn't have or they didn't want to have the vehicle for making objective statements like, like today. People think that I, I mean it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like if if uh, if uh, the prime minister said something yesterday morning. At lunchtime everybody's arguing about what he said. What do you mean? How could you argue about what he said? You heard him say it. But still everybody understands that meaning and interpretation are always problematic. So if you learn if you learn like to be a newspaper writer, like newspaper writing is supposed to be very obvious and simple. No, there's no duplicity in, in the news in the news, but there is. I mean, you can't help it because it comes from someplace, and the place it comes from is not clear. So, but anyway, I think I like this Rashi. If you, if somebody asks, you could tell them that I said I like it. Again, Pasuk Lamidaled, the last part of the pasuk says, a et et she says, oh, that there's another example of the wickedness of Esav. Because Esav said, why? Like, What's this story about? That Esav said, I don't want to be a Bechor. I don't want to work in the Beit HaMikdash. I don't want to have to be. Uh, um, f- in a fixed kind of situation where i 'm disciplined and I, I have things that I have to do and i can 't avoid that 's asaf that 's what asaf that 's what asaf is <laughs> to insult to embarrass to so he says, he says doesn 't mean his own personal Bekhora, but it means the uh, implication of Bechorah, which is to serve in the Beit Hamikdash, that he was uh, he was insulting about. So, if I would, uh, I mean, so I think Rashi is interesting. Rashi explained to us. Rashi explained to us uh, what was really going on, and I think it's important to remember that. However, it, it basically, we don't understand why this story is important for us. I mean, we would like the stories that are told in the, in the uh, Torah to have some kind of meaning. Now, what is the meaning of this idea that Yitzchak liked Esau and Rivka liked Yaakov? What is the meaning of the idea that Yaakov was an Ishtam and Esau was a Udayat Tzayid and he would fool his father I mean, what is, what, what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, how does that apply in any way to my situation? My personal situation? Well, uh, what should I learn from it? So I thought we would look at, let's look at the Meshiloch. Let's turn the page. We'll leave out the Medrash and we'll go to the Meshiloch. Meshiloch, Ishbitz, You had interesting ideas. Interesting ideas are always interesting. Uh, before I do that, I'm going to pass this around. If somebody wants to put, be put on our list, our email list, and you're not there yet, just write down your email. Next week, we're moving to the Beit of the Ramban. Wednesday night, what? Right. The your, your implication is good as gold. Wednesday night. And here, if somebody wants so we have some... Um, I have some uh, flyers, flyers. You could either take it, take a flyer and uh, make an airplane out of it, or take a flyer and put it someplace. What? Yeah, something like that. Everybody should be a, should be proactive. Yeah, you be. So look at the, the Meishilach. Meishilach says this. Yitzchak loved Asaf. Because Tsayed be'viv, like he was, he was a hunter with his mouth. In the peresha yatzadet aviv, heichmasim da melech vetateven. Rashi, right? I mean, he knows you know that it's Rashi, so don't have to say. But that's what that's what he's quoting. et He says, this can't be interpreted simply in a straightforward manner. Ki, betach a bo. He says, how, how could Yitzchak make a mistake? I mean, his son comes and says, how do you take miser from salt? Everybody knows that you don't take miser from salt. So obviously, obviously he had nothing better to say. He's trying to fool his father. So how is it possible that the father... Didn't catch on. I mean, it's such a an odd position that he should have caught on. he says, Ach she mitchila. Listen to this. Mitchila hayu hem shavim anashim gedolim. When's mitchila? When they were children. Right? What did Rashi say? That when they were children, you really couldn't tell one from the other. They were both, seemed to be, to have potential. Right? They both seemed to be Find Jewish children. He says, uh, he calls them anashim gidolim. You know, sometimes you see, uh, you know, like in the Haredi community, every little kid is a grace Tzadik. You know, that's how, like, the mothers address their children. Uh, so everybody's a grace tzaddik. So whoever is a grace tzaddik, so Asaph and Yaakov also, when they were children, they were Tzadikim. That's what Rashi says. Shadat Esav, haya liapotet atzmo lifnei Aviv, k'deishi Yisach chayn ve'enav, but Esav tried to impress his father, and that he was really the more important person. Le'maniy Palela avorol Shemit it barakshi itein wanted his father Yitzchak to daven on his behalf that he should get a lot of chokhmah, a lot of wisdom. So Yaakov said, I don't have to put in a claim. I don't have to go to my father and tell my father to daven for me on my behalf to God. If I am the way I'm supposed to be, then God will be responsive to me. But I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove anything. That's what that's what uh, that's what he says. Below, Yaya Sharba Enav and he didn't like what Aesab was doing. What Aesab was doing, which was to impress his father. This word Birur is a very important word for the Meshiloch. Clarification. What does clarification mean? Now, I'm going to try to explain this. I explain it this way. I explain it this way. You know, like there's a world. There's a world of halacha. You could say, "Do you take ma'aser from salt?" No. You don't take Maser from salt. You take Maser from vegetables. You take Maser from vegetables. That's a world. It's a world of information and knowledge. But there's another world. There's a world that we call Talmud. Talmud means that we try to get further to the bottom of it. And we even look into things that seem to be well accepted. Everybody understands that. In a yeshiva, in a yeshiva today, and you go to the Beit Midrash, you can find people arguing about things that are perfectly clear, things that everybody knows. So what are you doing in yeshiva? I'm arguing about whether you can cook, how you cook meat and milk together. What do you mean? You can't cook meat and milk together. I know that you can't. But how can't you? And why can't you? And where can't you? In other words, the birur in order to get to the bottom of it, of whatever it is, you have to raise very odd hypotheses, or well, hypotheses, I like that better, you have to raise odd hypotheses, you know that they're wrong, but you want to understand what it was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling you to do, so how can you do that? You say, well, why didn't God say this, and why didn't He tell us to do that, and why is it that God wants us to take maaser but doesn't want us to take maaser from salt? Why not? Don't we eat salt? Isn't so? Who says there's a distinction between what we call food and what we call condiments? What we call condiments. So, in what way, in what way, according to the Meshiloch, was of fooling fooling his father. How is he fooling his father? Because even though he didn't learn, he wasn't learning Torah, he tried to give his father the impression that he was really trying to get to the bottom of it. Yaakov, Yaakov said, and this is what the Beishiloch says, Yaakov said, look, it's a dangerous road. If you're in yeshiva, if you're yeshiva and you know that you're shachris at 7 o'clock and Mincha at 1 o'clock and Marev at 7 o'clock. So you're okay. You're, you're in the framework. That's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says you can ask tough questions in philosophy but only after you know that you're in the framework because tough questions don't always have simple answers. So that the difference between asaf and Yaakov, according to the Meshiloch, was that Esau wanted to ask the tough questions. Even though Esau was not really he didn't come from the world of Torah. He just asked those questions. And his question about Maser was, how come? What does God want? Why doesn't God want me to give Maser from everything that I have? Isn't the tevin, the straw, also God's straw? Why is it the only tomatoes are God's tomatoes? So that's a good question. That's not a bad question. When the, when the Chachonim said that Asa was fooling his father, what was he fooling him about? That he was really interested in the question. That's what he was fooling about. Not that the question was a bad, was a, well, was not a good question. And the question's a great question. Right? But, 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 and Yaakov said, Yaakov said, I, I, I won't want to go on that path. I want to be an Ishtam. I mean, I want to take it as it is. I don't have to, you know, everybody knows there are people, children, for example. are very accepting, you know, children. You tell them God created the world. They say, God created the world. It took seven days. It took seven days. Children don't have a problem imagining whatever you teach them. As the truth. It's only when you get older that you get a little of that cynical, uh, uh, kind of material inside of you. So Yaakov said, Yaakov said the better way, the better way, the, the straight way is to be an ishtam. It's not to get caught up in the questions that need, in the language of the Meshiloch, that need birur, that need further clarification. You could ask questions for which there is no there's not yet an answer. There may be an answer, but we don't know it. We don't know what the answer is. That's Esau. So Esau, so of course, Yitzchak, who also studied in the Yeshiva of Shem and Eva, he said, wow, Esau, he's asking these great questions. It's really impressive. And Yaakov, Yaakov was a good boy. He did what you're supposed to do. And his mother, who did not study in the Yeshiva of Shem and Eva, Understood that Esav's position was a little shaky, like he questioned, he had issues, he was not he was not uh, uh, calm about his obligations, as Raji said about selling the Bechorah, But Yaakov, Yaakov was an ishtam, and his mother saw in that the future of of Am Yisrael that that Yaakov Avinu was not caught up in the question. He he took it. He took the purity of things as they were. For him, for him, uh, whatever God demanded, whatever God demanded, as Yitzchak, right? Yitzchak went to the He was sacrificed. So Yaakov, Yaakov had that quality that if God demanded that you keep a mitzvah, that you do this or that, there was no question for Yaakov that that's what had to be done, whereas Asa was imitating the person who went for further clarification. So Yitzchak, who learned in yeshiva, of course appreciated the good question, the difficult, the difficult position, right? And and he doesn't answer because he himself doesn't know the answer, probably. It's not that Esau, that when you say that Esau fooled his father, it doesn't mean that he asked the silly question and his father thought it was a good question. No. He asked a good question. And his father was fooled into thinking that he really was concerned about the good question. Esau was an Obed He killed people. He wasn't interested in the Bechorah. And he certainly wasn't interested in the questions that he asked. But they're good questions. They're important questions. They're questions that can derail, derail a person. A lot of questions like, a lot of questions like that. And so Yaakov said, "Not for me. I'll go in the way of God, and whatever God thinks I should get, I will get. Right? Even without fooling my father, that's not that's not necessary. I just point out to you, since it's uh, the time has come, that uh, fooling, that the same." You have to reevaluate. Well, we all know that Yaakov then fooled his father with the brachot, which we not didn't talk about today. But you probably have to reevaluate that as well. Have a good Shabbos. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>